This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT. I'm dynamite. TNT. And I will not fight. TNT. I'm a power load. <laughs> TNT. <Watch me> Welcome to the Andrea K. Show. It is Tuesday evening, 8 p.m. Pacific time out here in San Diego. The KCBQ Studios, AM 1170, The Answer. And that never gets old hearing that, that intro song of mine. I'm not sure how long I'm going to be able to have that intro song because it sounds like... You know, they're making some changes in the music industry in terms of who can use their music or whatever. But I can't imagine that ACDC would not want that song associated with me. You could always have me cover it in the background and go, fire, TNT. <laughs> and only DJ Carrot Sticks could do it and do it so well, baby. Speaking Jonas of... Shabbos. <laughs> Uh, speaking of DJ Carrot Sticks in my intro, when I got to the station tonight, he goes, you know what? He goes, I never see you in a dress. You're more like dynamite in jeans. And it's like, <laughs> well, you know what, Todd? You got to tune in sometime when I'm actually on TV and not in the radio booth by myself. It was dynamite and denim. Dynamite and <laughs> denim. That's right. Um, I'm actually, you know, when I'm on America Trends TV, when I'm on Tipping Point on America News or Craig Sewing Show, The American Dream, I always dress like a lady and wear a dress. Hey, thank you so much for being here with me tonight. It's a super Tuesday here on the Andrea K Show. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K Show. Go to my website, andreakshow.com. I'm starting to get a lot of comments there. There's a, uh, you can click on the comment button and contact me through the website. On Facebook, that's where the real genius is because I have the smartest, no, seriously, I have the smartest group of friends in social media ever. Everybody who keeps me on my toes, people who know history, people who are on top of everything that's happening as we're going into this general election and going through the primary season. And so it's always so exciting for me to share a primary night with you all. And it's also exciting for me to share a primary night. It's almost like my new ritual to have Matthew Boyle, Boyle from Breitbart on the show tonight to help me break it down. A lot of bees there, Boyle and Breitbart and break it down. But before we get into that, before I bring Matt into the show to talk about what happened tonight, I thought I would start Actually, from another perspective, I want to begin with an observation. Does that sound familiar, those words? I want to begin with an observation. That given the challenges that we face in the world and the headlines we see every day may seem improbable, but it's true. We are fortunate to be living in the most peaceful, most prosperous, most progressive era in human history. No, those are not my words. This is the ridiculous narrative and propaganda that came out of President Obama as he proceeded to then go on and talk about sending 250 more of our American heroes into Syria, into harm's way, without the proper rules of engagement and with no real intent to take out the enemy. Because anybody who could go on to say around the world we're more tolerant, with more opportunity for women and gays and lesbians as we push back on bigotry and prejudice, he went on to say, He says, if you had to choose a moment in time to be born, any time in human history, and you didn't know ahead of time what nationality you were or what gender or what your economic status might be, you choose today, said Obama. Hmm. 
I mean, I'm literally almost sick to my stomach reading those words because it's such a bald faced lie. He says, he says, it, this may surprise young people who are watching their TV or looking at their phones. Heck yeah, Obama, because it's such a flat out lie. You're talking about uh, most prosperous time, more opportunity for women and gays as you've allowed the Middle East to erupt where gay people are being thrown off of roofs and Christians are being crucified, women still being stoned to death. This is what we face as Republicans going into the general election. We face a Democrat party that there's no end to the lies that they will put forth to the American people in order to stay in power and in order to transform this country into their Marxist utopia. We cannot, as we go through the results tonight, as we go through this primary season, as we look at what's ahead of us as a Republican party, whoever our nominee is, we must remember who the real enemy is here. And it's not our fellow Republicans. Matthew Boyle, welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. Uh, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Um, you know, I wanted to start with something. Of course, I wanted to delve into everything tonight, but I have been so concerned, and I've been talking on my show for a while about the concern that I have about the lack of unity, the division, and what's going on uh, within the Republican Party. And it seems like it's getting even worse. Uh, it got worse this week as we had this Cruz and Kasich uh, alliance that, that came down. It seems like that has fostered more division. But I read this, and, and this got almost no press that Obama actually gave the speech, that he actually uttered these words. This is, uh, we must remember who our enemy is here and what we're up against as a party as we go forward, correct? Yeah, look, if you think that uh, what Obama said uh, this week and, and what he's done over the last eight years is bad, I mean, you ain't seen nothing yet if Hillary Clinton somehow uh, ascends to the presidency. Um, the, I mean, eight, four years of Hillary Clinton will be worse than all eight years of Barack Obama combined. Everybody knows that. I do think that, uh, you know, what you're seeing right now with this Bruce Casey Alliance thing that they announced uh, the other night is the beginning signs of the, the end of the Republican primary and the, the beginning of the focus on the general election. I think it's the signs of a couple of desperate candidates trying to throw up a Hail Mary uh, to see if they can't uh, uh, reorganize and uh, you know and, and somehow shuffle the deck and get a chance here uh, and create a contested convention and all that kind of thing. You really can't blame these guys. They've both put in a lot of effort into running for running for office. But you know when the time comes here, and again, I just I literally just I'm up in New York right now. Just walked out of Trump Tower. Uh, Donald Trump gave a phenomenal press conference after sweeping victories in all five states that voted tonight. Uh, in some of these states, it's going to be over 60%. In all of them, he's well over 50%. Well, uh, um, Donald Trump has proven that he can win in every every place. And look, he, he is the presumptive nominee at this point. Donald Trump said that he's the presumptive nominee. I don't think anybody's well, except that, well, 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 except let me let me interject there. And if you're just tuning in, this is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170. The answer um, in, in in terms of where we're at and in, in the presumptive nominee, I kind of hear what you're saying in other people that any other year he would be considered the presumptive nominee. But when we do have rules that say if we don't get to a convention with twelve hundred and thirty seven delegates, then we got to go into plan B. And right now, if I'm looking at the delegate count, Trump has 949. Cruz has 544. Uh, you know, that neither one of them has it. Neither one of us. Well, so, you know, Trump's point, not the presumptive. Not, and, the deal, right? So on June 7th, is uh, going to be several states. There's 
Uh, and, and leading up until then as well. So there's 57 delegates at stake in Indiana, which is going to vote a week from today. Okay. Uh, and Donald Trump is leading in the polls there. The, you know, there's certainly possible that he could get most, if not all, of the delegates in Indiana. Uh, New Jersey, there's 51 delegates. That's going to, New Jersey's going to vote on June 7th. On Cal- in California, there's 172 delegates at stake. Most projections at this point, based off the polling data that's been out there for a while, have Donald Trump getting around 100 of those delegates. So, again, and, and by the way, it's 949. That's going to go up as the results get finalized later tonight. And there's still even two more delegates that haven't been allocated out of New York yet based on the final election totals here in New York. So, um, from last week. So, again, uh, and it's looking like Trump will probably get one or both of those. Anyway, the point being is, it, the, the math is much more in Donald Trump's favor. It's looking a lot more like he is going to be uh, get together these 1237 delegates. But the amount that are out there still for the taking, uh, he, he is most likely going to, at this point, uh, amass the 1237 necessary to win the Republican nomination. Now, he's still got a tough road to climb, and yeah, he's got to put that number together. He has to deliver those votes. He has to be able to... Uh, to close the deal here, but the momentum is certainly on his side. It looks like he's going to close this thing down. And then if he does, the question is going to be, will Governor Kasich, will Senator Cruz, will these other players um, you know, throughout the Republican Party uh, honor the pledge that they made at the beginning of this process that no matter who would emerge, whether it be a grassroots conservative like Donald Trump or, uh, or Senator Cruz or uh, you know, one of these establishment guys like Jeb Bush or Chris Christie or or Marco Rubio that emerges as the Republican nominee, will they uh, support the Republican nominee heading into November? And, uh, and you know, I, I do think that all indications are pointing in the direction of the Republican Party is ready to unify because they understand who the real enemy is. The real enemy is Hillary Clinton. It is the Democratic Party. It is the progressive left. It is everything that we see in these protests that are emerging all around the country that are paid off by George Soros and professional agitators. I think people recognize where we're headed right now. Uh, I think the party understands that. Look, at this well, okay. tonight. Well, let me mm-hmm. let me interject you there because the party may understand that. And I think I saw some signs from that when Ryan Priebus, uh, you know, sent the message to those. Actually, he sent emails and, and such out to Florida before they went to their state convention and said, don't be changing the rules. Because Trump was Trump was, you know, making some headway with the argument that the system was rigged and it was unfair. And, you know, uh, delegates were being stolen. And Ryan Priebus was obviously concerned about the perception of the voters out there that the party was rigging things to steal, you know, delegates away from Trump, whether or not that was true. That was the perception that was being created out there. So I do think the party would really like to uh, uh, some unity. I don't think their plan is to parachute in I, uh, somebody. I don't think that they want to follow Bill Crystal's plan and come up with a third party because they know that, that, that that's not going to, um, that's not going to fly. But I still, but so that leaves my question is, okay, the party may be wanting unity, but here's a question for you. What about the hashtag never Trump movement and the hashtag never cruise movement, which is almost as tough. When you look at Wisconsin, see a lot of people tonight said, uh, well, we expected this to happen tonight, that Trump would have this landslide. And I remember after Wisconsin, people saying that the tide was turning towards Cruz. What jumped out at me after Wisconsin was that the never Cruz uh, numbers were almost as high as the never Trump. Can those people be talked into unity? How can we get overcome those nevers, the hashtag nevers? 
Uh, so to your question there, I think there's two elements of the so-called never movement on either side, whether you're looking at Cruz or Trump. There are your professional political class types, like your Bill Crystals and, and those kind of folk in Washington who are paid political consultants or pundits or whatever. Those people, those kind of people are so far out there on a limb and their credibility is so damaged throughout this process that it's, it's unlikely that they're ever going to come back to the table and, and, and try to stop Hillary Clinton. That being said, those were only a handful of votes in a, in a general election. There's, what, 50 of them maybe? Um, the, the, the real question is, what about the grassroots people all across the country that they're affecting? Look, I regularly interact through our radio show at Breitbart and through our, uh, through our email system and comment sections and everything with, with, with our readership here. We've got millions and millions of readers. Half of them are Cruz guys. Half of them are Trump guys. Uh, we've been, uh, you know, interacting with them for months and months and months. The, I, the, the consistent message that I get from the conservative grassroots, whether the people are primarily Cruz supporters or Trump supporters, is regardless of what these agitators in the Washington media and the political class say and this hashtag never movement, they're, they're ready to unite behind the other one if the other guy becomes the nominee. So if Cruz ends up being the guy, Trump supporters are ready to back up. All right, we'll Trump see. is the guy, Cruz supporters are ready to back up. Uh, so, you know, maybe you lose 50 political class people in Washington, but you know what? I don't really care. I don't think any, I don't think anybody cares. All right. Well, listen, I, I care if you stick around. Can you stick around in my next segment? I got to take a quick break. Okay, awesome. We're going to take a break. We come back. I want to get into some of these exit poll numbers with Matthew Boyle from Breitbart and see what he thinks, uh, if if anything jumped out at him like it jumped out at me. And we're going to get into a little discussion about electability. Uh, So this is the Andrea K. Show. Don't change that dial. We got more on the other side of the break. sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K spelled K A Y E want to start living better longer La Vida compounding pharmacy can help proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients preparing personalized medications with the highest care quality and safety Voted Union Tribune's Best Local Pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. DJ Carrot Sticks over there. I saw you through that window. You accidentally hit a button. That's okay. Hey, speaking of accidents, was that an accident that uh, you put on that that Chargers jersey when there's lots of talk going on right now in San Diego about the Chargers and what's going to happen? 
Yeah, you know, I'm trying to let everybody know that, you know, people are sought re- represented. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Hey, um, we were talking to Matthew Boyle from Breitbart before the break about uh, Tuesday, Super Tuesday primaries and going forward and what what all this means for everybody. But we, we've got even more topics to, to discuss tonight on the show. So stay tuned because we've got our Tuesday night business block. Uh, Kalyan Pokola is going to be here. We're going to talk about that because I can't just talk about this for, for throughout the entire show. I got to bring on some more topics besides just that. And, and the, the best news, the big news, the, the awesome news is, as somebody said on the Internet tonight, our American nightmare is over. Kelly Ripa was back today on Live with Kelly and Michael Strahan. We got to have a little bit of fun. Della B couldn't be here with me tonight, so I'm going to do my own little Hollywood report, Dan Perry. So stay tuned for that. But getting back to the Super Tuesday results, I'm always fascinated by the exit polls, Matthew Boyle from Breitbart. (laughs) Something always really jumps out at me, which is just across the board, it seems like there's been a lot of consistencies, whether we've been talking about South Carolina or whether we've been talking about Wisconsin and other exit polls, uh, concern about the economy and jobs and government spending and terrorism. Those consistently are like the top three across all the primaries. But there's always seems to be kind of a weird one that jumps out. This night out of Pennsylvania was when asked about being concerned or scared if the candidates were elected president, Cruz got the highest number. 58% said that they would be either concerned or scared if Cruz ended up president. That jumped out at me because even if he's not necessarily your guy, because maybe you like Trump because you think Trump is the better outsider, because they also said that, you know, 83% preferred an outsider. What, Cruz scary? That really kind of shocked me because I, I don't see him as scary. Yeah, look, I know Senator Cruz pretty well. I actually just interviewed him this past week. Uh, Look, you know, you might not agree with him, but, uh, you know, to be honest with you, he's not scary. I mean, he has very, very distinct, clear political views, and he's very open about that, and he has a very consistent conservative record. But he's not scary. Yeah. The idea that Ted Cruz is scary is just, uh, you know, that, that irks me a little bit. And I think that, uh, look, I think that might be a byproduct of a nasty primary. But, yeah. like, look, here's the deal. It has gotten, you know, it's, the, you know, the biggest open secret in politics that this primary has gotten very rough between Donald Trump and Ted Cruz. What Trump has come up with a nickname for Ted that, you know, to be honest with you, it's going to be hard for Ted to shake down the road, which he calls him lying Ted. Um, you know, that has not been productive to the to the, to the, to the party here. no um you know and look ted is not a liar okay there are things that just like any other politician that he's going to say where you know he might be twisting donald trump's words in an effort to attack him but i mean for the look here's the deal senator cruz has done so much for the conservative movement in washington um uh, you know, I've I've been covering all of this stuff on Capitol Hill uh, and in uh, and on the campaign trail for the last several years. I've been doing this for seven years. Senator Cruz is you know a beacon of hope. Uh, you know, in 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 really uh, otherwise awful you know situation up on Capitol Hill and in and in these political battles. He really is a courageous fighter. Uh, he's done so much for the conservative movement. He's really fought back against not just the Democratic Party, but also the, his own party and his own party's corruption. Uh, and, and, and the Republican Party's unwillingness to listen to voters. 
Um, so while things have gotten a little bit nasty, I think that that number might be a byproduct of yeah. a nasty. Yeah, time, I right? just thought it was odd, concerned or scared, even if you don't think he's necessarily the outsider that, you know, he claims to be, because I think he's more of an establishment guy than he claims to be, which I don't necessarily see as a bad thing. I said from the beginning, going back to before the very first debate, when there was when we still had 17 or 20 of these people, and we had like 10 even on the, the JV, the earlier debates and the rest on the, I said that I really thought the winning ticket was Trump and Cruz. Because I think that Trump uh, solves, if you, and I, if you look at the exit polls tonight, I think the exit polls tell the story for why I'm right there. They talk about that 83% prefer an outsider to deal with a job. You talk about um, uh, the top quality, top candidate quality can bring needed change. Trump, 71%. You know, the, the most important issues, economy and jobs, 39%. Government spending and terrorism tied at 24%. Um, worried about the economy, 57%. You know, even even the women, even, and if you look at the, all those, the top, you know, issues across the board in Pennsylvania, Connecticut, and Maryland, uh, 47% in Maryland, and then above 50% in, in Pennsylvania, Connecticut, women for Trump. And what is it that women care about? They care about the economy and they care about being safe through terrorism. So, it, you know, when you, when I look at these exit polls, I see that Trump has the outsider angle of it and the economy stuff. And then then I see that Cruz has the he knows how to deal with the government spending better than anybody. So, you know, he I I can see a scenario in which when it comes to electability, Trump has it because he's more fearless. He's willing to take it to Hillary in a way that doesn't suit Cruz's style. I think he's a little bit more charismatic and charming than Cruz in a way. I think that Cruz has the understanding of the machine and the mechanism that is government and the ability to to help Trump get things through. To me, that's the winning ticket. And if they would unify now, man, Matt, wouldn't that just really just kill it? You know, you know, um, Andrea, I was, like I said, I was literally just at Trump's tower uh, at the Trump press conference that just wrapped up. And I was literally talking to former Senator Scott Brown about exactly that. Uh, and I think the Trump campaign and the Cruz campaign can both unify. I really do. I do think that they can they can work together. I think that, that you know, I, I actually said to Senator Brown, I was like, I think it would be the dream ticket if, um, if it were Trump and Cruz. And he said, you know, you read my mind. I said that three weeks ago. Um, so, again... I think that, and look, Senator Brown, uh, former senator from Massachusetts, uh, who was elected as part of the anti-Obamacare Tea Party wave in 2010, he took Ted Kennedy's seat uh, before Liz Warren came back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, but look, Senator Brown uh, endorsed Donald Trump. I mean, this is, a, you know, a guy who, look, the Trump campaign, I think, would be uh, welcoming of Senator Cruz if he, you know, but a large part of it is, is how does Senator Cruz handle himself here in the in the next few weeks look tonight it is official senator cruz is mathematically eliminated from being able to obtain the nomination without a contested convention uh just like john Kasich has been for weeks um so i think the you know the one of the look cruz is obviously all in in the state of indiana and if he comes up empty there um uh, you know, I think one of the things that he might be looking to do, uh, and, and this would be good for the party, it would be good for the movement, it would be tough for both of these guys to get through. Um, but look, Donald Trump is the best deal maker in history. He literally wrote the book on the art of the deal. He literally wrote the book on how to make a deal. If they can come together, I think Hillary Clinton uh, is in for a rude awakening in early November. 
uh, this year. Well, I, I would like I would like to see it because I think that they each have a, a their skill set that they could bring to it, and I think that they complement they could actually could actually complement each other well if, if they would unify. And I know that that's a tough thing to do because you 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 said it earlier that people put so much of their heart and their soul and their lives when they decide to run for this. And there was a lot of speculation that maybe you know Trump got in this to really you know actually help Hillary out, and you know he didn't really want it. You don't put yourself and your family through this. If you don't really want it. And I know that both of these guys really want this. And I know that they and I absolutely believe that they both want what's best for this country and that maybe they're not exactly on the same page in terms of how to accomplish it. But I think if if, you know, I I actually heard a caller on another show the other day. Actually, it was a show that that. a friend of mine, when Dr. Gina was filling in for Hannity, she had a caller call in and he said, you know, he I, I can't remember exactly how he said it, but he said, look, they have more in common than they have differences. And if we would look at it that way, that they both want to seal the border, you know, they both, you know, they both want to, um, you know, cut government spending. They both want to get rid of regulations that are they both exactly in line? Is Trump as conservative as as Cruz? Absolutely not. But I think there's enough in common that we can unify around that and we better or we're going to end up with Hillary and we're going to end up with with somebody who's just as bad as she as Obama was lying and talking about the world being more tolerant as we've got radical. Islam taking over the world, throwing gay people off of roofs, committing genocide against Christians everywhere. And that is coming here to America when we've got this going on, when we've got $17 trillion in debt and, and we're just about to implode economically and businesses leaving here like crazy and almost half the country on uh, unemployment or, or taxpayer assistance. We've got to come together, Matt. I hate to sound like I'm preaching on my soapbox, but I absolutely believe we've got to come together and unify. One of the things that's, that lies ahead is, a, you know, a major test for both of these phenomenal, talented leaders, right? Are they able to put their differences aside and come together for the good of the country, for the good of the conservative movement, for the good of the Republican Party, and really for the good of, uh, you know, American working families all across the country, right? If Trump and Cruz can come together, then Hillary Clinton is finished in November. If they, if that is the ticket, if that is the ticket, the, I mean, just forget about it. I mean, that is brings together the whole Republican Party. United we stand, divided we fall. If we, if we stand together, if those guys get together... I, I, I just can't understate how uh, how uh, detrimental that will be to Hillary Clinton and the Democratic Party. And again, with that grander theme here of, you know, again, four years of Hillary Clinton would be much worse than eight years of Barack Obama has been. Right. Um, look, if you think that Obamacare and executive amnesty are bad, wait till you see what Hillary Clinton starts trying to do. Uh, again, if these guys get together, they're unstoppable. Right. I absolutely believe that. Hey, um, what are the polls looking for Indiana and California right now? Well, look, Indiana's looking a lot like it's uh, uh, going to be a uh, – well, Cruz is, in, is aggressively campaigning out there. He went out there early. He left here on the East Coast early to go out to uh, Indiana to try to uh, – shore up uh, what's become a Trump lead there. Uh, most of the prediction markets are having uh, having this be a Trump win at this point. And it's unclear uh, at this time how it's going to shake out. It looks like it's going to be a really tight one there. 
Uh, both of these guys are going to be aggressively campaigning in Indiana over the next six days here ahead of their primary on May 3rd, this coming Tuesday. But uh, Indiana is definitely going to be a close race, and it really could decide the trajectory of things from here. If Cruz doesn't end up winning Indiana and, uh, you know, pulling in a significant total of delegates, it's hard to see him uh, really uh, continuing past here. Right. Well, Not here's he, well, you know, I, I don't think he's planning on going anywhere. I think his strategy is nobody's going to get to 1,237, or, or he's going to st- try to make sure that nobody gets to 1,237 and then get to the con- convention and take it from there. Um, I, I I think that the worst case scenario for us, honestly, would be if we get to a contested convention because nobody's got 1,237. I don't think Trump would make it through, past the first round. I think Cruz would end up getting the nomination. I think if he's at the top of the ticket and chooses somebody else we lose in the fall. That's my prediction, that if we get to a contested convention, that's how I see it playing out. What I saw from him in the town hall in terms of his plan, when he answered that young girl's question, his plan in terms of how he would go up against Hillary in the fall, it was right out of Romney's playbook. It was stale. It was the same old gentleman. Oh, Madam Secretary, you know, it's like, I get it. You're a nice guy. You're a gentleman. But you you cannot, we cannot afford to have anybody else take a spork from the Kentucky Fried Chicken and, you know, go up against somebody who's got a machete. Aimed at, aimed at our necks. We can't do that and win. So you know, I'm hope I'm hoping that he that he loses big in Indiana, so that he is forced to come together with Trump and forced to unify before we get to a convention. I got a yeah, last thought. Be, last thoughts before be, we go. Yeah, that would be that would be a good thing if they if they if they if they come together. But again. You know, this has been a really divisive process. It's going to be a challenging thing for both leaders to, to see if they can do it. All right. Well, Matthew, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Yep. Not a problem. Anytime. All right. We're going to take a break. We come back. I want to talk a little bit about Miss Hillary and a little story that came out today about her email scandal. We're not hearing enough about her. This is what the, the story I'm about to talk about. We come back from break. This is what, what every Republican, all three of them should be talking about tonight. Not bad-mouthing each other. This is the Andrea K. Show. we got more on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. Want more Andrea K.? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K. Show. And like her Facebook page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. Do you struggle with the day to day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today 877-749-3533.
Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation. A fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. What song is this? It sounds familiar, but I can't place it. Oh, with the safety dance. That's kind of cool. Because your friends don't dance, and if they don't dance, well, they're no friends of mine. I'm not sure the Andrea K Show was quite a safe place for the liberals. The guys were uh, men with hats. Oh, men with hats. Okay. And they wore hard hats. So oh, all right. The safety dance wasn't too safe if they had to wear the hard hats. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, you, you know what's uh, what's not safe out there around the world? Being a part of our military or being a part of the State Department when you had Hillary Clinton at the head of it, especially when they were under the phony guise of, you know, we started the show talking about Obama acting as though, oh, the world's just so much a better place. There's never been a safer, more productive time. Never been a better time in the world since he's been president. Meanwhile, oh, he goes on to talk about, he went on to talk about how we've got more democracy and more freedom going, uh, more freedom going on around the world. It's like, what are you talking about? Believe it or not, there were more people that were safer over in the Middle East, more Christians that were safer. There was more freedoms for Christians and women and gay people when we had Gaddafi over there. Before we intentionally got involved and handed Egypt and Libya and Tunisia over to radical Islamists and gave rise to ISIS, pulled out of Iraq, and four Americans were left for dead as part of a gun running operation to Syria. And the Republican Party and Trey Gowdy, Mr. Anklebiter, Mr. Oh, he's going to be so tough. He has done nothing. They have done nothing to hold anybody accountable. One of the things that we know, one of the exit polls tonight that came out was that something like almost 80 something percent said that this this election for them was about betrayal by the Republican Party. It's to me, the four heroes that died in Benghazi, that's not just on the heads of Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, but on the on the heads of the Republican Party that has let them get away with it. Okay, so now we find out that the State Department held back a Clinton email that would have exposed the private server, the group plan, according to Judicial Watch. um, I guess there was, they sued in federal court. I mean, if not for Judicial Watch, we wouldn't know anything about what's going on with Hillary Clinton. Because how many, how many uh, committee hearings has Trey Gowdy and others had over Benghazi and over the IRS scandal and over Fast and Furious and over everything else? dog and pony shows, if not for Judicial Watch, we wouldn't know anything about what's going on with with any of these scandals. What happened after, so now we find out that an email was withheld. Anybody going to be held responsible for this? Anybody going to, you know, be, Scooter Libby ended up getting six months 
for something he didn't even do. Because, supposedly because he outed Valerie Plame, only to find out he wasn't the guy who even outed Valerie Plame, but because he, he said one little misstatement or a lie to the FBI in an interview, got six months in the pokey. These people lied. They intentionally left four people to die, watched them die as part of an illegal gun running operation. Everybody knows it. They watched these people die, intentionally didn't do anything to help them, then launched a cover up about it, lied to the American people over it, said it was about a video when it wasn't, knowing it was a terrorist attack the entire time and nothing from the Republican Party. And nothing is going to happen. And we don't have any Republicans right now today talking about it. No, it's all about infighting. And it's all about, oh, this person tweeted this person's wife and this person this. Nothing about who the real enemy is. We must keep our eye on the ball. One of my buddies, speak. I know who keeps his eye on the ball, is my buddy who's online. I asked him to call in because I saw that somebody else, another friend of mine, wanted him to call in. So I reached out. I said, hey, call in the Andrea K. Show tonight. Timothy Shea, welcome back to my show. It's been too long since you called in, my friend. Hey, Lulu. How are you doing tonight? Well, I'm good. And, you know, I wanted to make sure that I spent some time in the show tonight reminding everybody what we're up against as a Republican Party. We are up against people that will, there's nothing, the end justifies the means to them. Was it Malcolm X who said by, by any means necessary? By any means necessary, exactly. And there, and and, I, go ahead. I posted earlier on your thread, and uh, for people listening in San Diego, if you're not following Andrea on Facebook and, and following her thread, you really need to be, because that's where all the fun is happening. Right. I posted that, the very fact that Hillary is being allowed to run and also the fact that an independent, Bernie Sanders, is allowed to run as a Demo- for the Democrat nomination shows just how far off the rails this country is. She belongs indicted, not inaugurated. Yeah. I mean, why? And you know what? I'm so angry. I am as as angry, Timothy, at Trey Gowdy and the rest of the Republican Party because they have let her get away with it. We should not be debating right now as a party who's tighter in the polls going against Hillary Clinton in a general. She should have I already been doing Andrea, a perp walk. I was, just as upset back, I was just as upset back in the late 90s with her husband. You know, they get away with murder, literally, allegedly, and nobody cares. I don't understand it. And it's Obama it's because the Republican what he got away with and nobody cares. Well, in part, it's because the Republican Party, they want to be able to get away with it. Part of the reason why they haven't pushed back like they should on the executive orders is because they want to be able to have that same privilege. If the Republican Party is letting the Democrats get away with stuff they shouldn't, it's because they want to be able to get away with it themselves. And that's one reason why the voters, this the Republicans are saying enough. You know, if you don't I like Trump, you, if you I don't think... like Trump, it, be angry at the Republican Party because this every vote for Trump, in my opinion, is really an indictment against the Republican Party. And and I and unfortunately for Cruz, I, I think Matthew Boyle was a little wrong when he said that he felt like um, the thing, the weird poll result about Tr- Cruz being scary, people being concerned or scared if he's in office. I don't think it's really because of fallout in terms of how nasty it's gotten with the campaign. I think it's just that he's still associated with the establishment and People are so fed up with the establishment that that they just want an outsider. I think so, too. But I think it's still it, it mystifies me that they're talking about Cruz as being establishment because he's not establishment at all. He's a sitting senator for three years 
that uh, you can't say that he's a rhino, and that's what I'm seeing. I'm well, there's a difference between him a rhino. Well, there's a difference between right. That's yeah. I think that's absurd. But I think there's a difference between somebody being considered a rhino and somebody being considered establishment. We, you know, you're considered a stat, and everybody, and there's also a lot of difference of opinion in terms of what the establishment means. Just like people have a difference of opinion in terms of what the definition of conservative means. And I think for to generalize, I think people think if you are part of Washington right now, an elected official, and you've been in office, you're a part of the problem. And and yeah, he and even though he's been fair, because Mike Lee clearly is not part of the problem. Uh, there are others that are clearly not part well, of the Well, Mike problem. Lee's not running fact, for president. We're talking about no, Cruz. What I'm, saying, I know, but what I'm saying is there are people in D.C. that are not part of the problem. Unfortunately, the people in charge of the Republican Party are part of the problem because they love big government. They just think that they ought to be running it. Well, you know, I think that getting back to Cruz and whether or not he's establishment, I think that, you know, that he has been involved with the party for a lot longer even than when he was just senator you know everybody knows that he met yeah, his wife he when he was every, yeah. everybody knows what that he met his wife when he was when he was associated with the bush family and working on their campaigns i mean let's be honest his association with the party it goes back many years far more than just being a senator and i i don't necessarily hold that against him because i can look and see that he has pushed for conservative causes but let's not pretend that he's not a part of the establishment because he is. Yeah, I, I think the establishment, quote unquote, the the party leaders are supporting him now reluctantly because they, as, as Gail Trotter said on your show last night, they hate, hate him. But he's the devil they know as compared to the devil that they don't know. And my argument is you can be hated and that doesn't mean you're not one of them. Like, I, you know, if, if you could be in a fraternity and you're still a member, even if nobody likes you, because because there could be a reason that people don't like you just because they flat out don't like your personality or they don't like you know, something about yeah, you. It doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean you're an outsider away with what they want to get away with. But again, he's the devil. Uh, well, I think they think they can control him more than they can control Trump. Well, I think if you look at the people he surrounded himself with his campaign, you know, it certainly looks as though uh, they are controlling him to a certain degree. Because I, when I look and see his answer that he gave, which was he's got Mitney's, Mitney, Mitt Romney's uh, campaign people, and he's already telegraphing a Mitt Romney general election campaign. I think if you look at some of the moves that he's made when he when he was in office. Um, he admitted, basically, um, you know, uh, this. I'm, I was. I have two thoughts in my head right now. One, it was his involvement with the TPA and the TPP, which he was involved in and supported. To me, that that's a problem for him. And I, I did a whole show on the TPA and the TPP back last fall. I did not like any of uh, his involvement. The only thing he didn't seem to like about it was the Import-Export Bank. The rest of the TPP, he was on board with, which is a real problem for me. He actually was on board with the TPA. You remember that I said I did not want them to give him, the t- they did, did not want them to give Obama the authority. I was. People said, oh, well, that will then, that's the only way that they're going to be able to see what's in the TPP, and then they will fight every aspect of the TPP and it won't get passed and what happened. Yeah, and I was one of those people and you were right and I was wrong on that because they lied to us. Okay. Well, uh, final thoughts, T, before I got to let you go? Uh, just that um, I did have a final thought before you started talking about the TPA. Oh, with regard to coming together, I think that probably is the only way that we can win in November because what I'm seeing up here in the Northeast, people absolutely do not care 
you know, Trump joked that he could shoot somebody in the middle of Fifth Ave and none of his supporters would uh, leave him for that. The Hillary people are even worse. And I, I think that the only way we probably could win in November is with the, is with a uh, Trump cruise ticket. I agree with you there. We got And in fact, we got to leave it there. We're going to take a quick break. More of the Andrea K. Show on the other side of this break. In fact, we gotta, I got to get into a little bit of business. This is Tuesday. It's time for the Tuesday business block. Stay tuned. I'm not what you see. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Trinity Christian School in Spring Valley is offering a full year K through eighth grade tuition for half price. Now is the time to get a head start on the next school year, and Trinity Christian School is one of San Diego's top Christian schools. There's only two of these half price tuitions available. Go to crazypricemall.com for details. That's crazypricemall.com. Give your child the Christian education you want them to have. Only at crazypricemall.com. Crazypricemall.com. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. It's time to get into a little bit of business. And the reason why I wanted to start getting back into some business is because like I wanted to talk at the top of the hour about the enemy we face, we have... A- we got a lot of making up to do in terms of re- recapturing the American people and selling them on conservatism and free market capitalism. We've got to keep talking about these issues. We've got to get people to get off of this entitlement mindset to appreciate what truly has made this the greatest country in the world, and it's free market capitalism, and that is small business. And so um, I've got a new partner on my show, Call Jan Pokola, who's here every Tuesday to talk about small business and what he does and how he helps them because they are the job creators of America. All right, so my buddy Kalyan Pokola from Pokola Law is back with me for our San Diego Business Block segment. He's a hot, I started to say hot witch, but that's my term for women. I got to come up with a term for hot warlocks, I guess. Hot male witch? Hot. Uh, <laughs> that sounds like a sandwich. I know, right? Witch, witch. Um, he's back for the, the Business Block segment. He's a top B-law attorney, business law attorney here in San Diego, specializing in small business, which you know how much I love. Ted Cruz was right yesterday when he was talking about how small business is the engine of our society. So Kalyan's going to be here with me on a weekly basis to bring you guys all the content, everything that we need to know going into this election and beyond in terms of how things, policies, lawsuits, how it all affects small business owners and and what we can do to support small business in San Diego. Last week when Kalyan was on the show, we talked about California's got this new minimum wage law. Of course, they're going to step it in. They can't, you know, hit us with the tyranny all at once. They can't pimp pimp slap it us in the face with all of it at one time. They're going to do it incrementally from, you know, to get it up to $15 an hour. But I want to, I don't know if you, you're so busy, Kalyan. I don't know if I want to update people on what's happened since uh, that story broke. A couple of things have happened. Here at UC Berkeley in uh, California, they actually increased. They went their minimum wage from 10 to $15 an hour even before Governor Brown came up with his plan. And now they've announced layoffs of 500 people as a result of that. McDonald's has come out now and said that they are going to replace employees with kiosks, which I love. By the way, Jack in the Box was doing that a few years ago here, and I was able to customize my order, you know, get my receipt, and then go up and get my food. It was brilliant. So McDonald's is going to be doing that. We have a business in 
Fresno, a restaurant that just having to go to $10 an hour in the last couple of years, they've had to lay off employees and replace employees with waffle machines because for $300 now, you know, so there's innovation technology that's replacing employees. So these types of liberal policies always end up hurting the very people they say they want to help. So that's the update on the minimum wage story. Anything you want to add there? Well, I mean, Berkeley's a liberal bastion. I think they went to $15 an hour, and I think it's uh, the cut of the cloth, though. In the end, if that minimum wage goes up, these employers are going to keep their best employees, and they're going to let go, you know, the the, uh, the all the workers are going to have to step it up just right. to keep their jobs. Otherwise, they're not going to keep them. Right. And and or we're going to have technology. Well, you know, it's it's in business. We call it a creative destruction where you've got technology that makes either in entire industries, businesses and even employees obsolete at some point. But speaking of employees, because another big story broke, you know, those of us who love entrepreneurship, love business. We know that it's it, it drives our economy as well as what dr- drives job creation. So those of us when Uber first came around, we were like, oh, my gosh, this is so amazing because it's, you know, we've got the taxi situation, which is all run by the unions. There was one time I spent a weekend up in San Francisco, could not get a taxi. We literally, cl- we were at the Fog City Diner. You couldn't get a, if, if a pretty beautiful white lady like yourself can't get a taxi, right. then there's no hope for me. There was no hope for you, brother, in San Francisco, because None. what happened was the unions, the unions had basically taken over and said, we weren't going to allow for any more taxis. So you couldn't, you couldn't get a ride in San Francisco. We at two o'clock in the morning, Fox City Diner was finally like, we've been calling for hours for you. We can't get you a taxi. So we love the idea of Uber comes around and it seems like a great business model. It's great for the consumers because they're able to get a job quickly. They know what their price is going to be. It's less expensive. They they get to ride in better cars than the taxis, and it, it's supposed to be great for the drivers. And then all of a sudden, we hear that there's misery with the employees, and they file a lawsuit, and it's because they're not really employees. Well, it's because they've been classified, and in, and you know the argument can really be a strong argument can be made that they were misclassified as independent contractors. And just like we've talked about before, you had me on uh, on TV and speaking with you Dream. on the American Dream Show. I talked about how small employers. Small businesses are dealing with independent, uh, they're misclassifying accidentally their employees as independent contractors trying to save money, like on the payroll taxes, et cetera. And this is what Uber was trying to do as well. They were trying to classify their employees, uh, their workers as independent contractors instead of as employees to save money. These employees decided to file a lawsuit and it was a class action lawsuit. And they ended up, I mean, they ended up settling on the for peanuts. And this is a great deal for Uber. Why did they? I, I, didn't I read it was eighty five million dollars? How was that? Peanuts? It's a hundred million. Okay. Uh, and twenty percent right off the top goes to the attorneys. Oh, always you evil. I know attorneys. we're all horrible terrible. people. I mean, just you know, blood sucking. Right. <laughs> and but only twenty percent blood. Uh, and then so the other eighty millions divided among the Uber drivers, it boils down to like two hundred dollars a Uber driver. No. Yeah. Well, why? Well, why are they employees? Because they, I thought the model was so great because somebody could just decide on a Saturday to just go in and drive around all day, and then they can go home and do whatever they want to do. It was at their own schedule. Well, absolutely. What was wrong? The, with that? The, the problem is, is when you're depending, when you're just ter- determining whether an independent contractor is an employee or vice versa, the issue is it's all about control. And if you turn on your Uber app, you have as a driver, you are told who to go pick up, and where to pick them up, and when to pick them up, and 
the argument can be made, that's enough control to really make them an employee, an employee. and not an independent contractor. And this is going to save, one, it's saving Uber a ton of money in taxes right. that is passed on to us, the, cons- the, the taxpayers, and they're driving on our roads that we pay for. And then the other problem is that Uber also now with this deal, well, it's not a problem. It's a great deal for Uber because now all these venture capitalists who, you know, hit on 17 are now seeing a tremendous return because now this is one of this was the biggest issue for Uber and any of these crowd sharing these apps. Mm -hmm. And now if they're going to be independent contractors and not employees and they've made this deal and they also aren't allowed to unionize. I mean, this is a huge win for Uber. And if you, if so, you had so Uber stock, of the deal, get in there. So as part of the deal, just so I make sure I understand, the reason why it's great for the venture capitalist is because it, they ended up settling for peanuts and because they, they're not going to be allowed to unionize. They're not allowed to unionize, which is which is one, one big issue. But the main issue is if these people have agreed to be independent contractors, they're going to be responsible for all their own insurance, their own taxes, workman's comp, all that stuff. That's not going to be something Uber's going to have to deal with. This is going to radically boost Uber's profit margin. Well, you know, and I ain't got a problem with that. And I got to tell you, as somebody who uh, is not a fan of unions, I think unions started with a great idea. So much like liberalism does, it starts with a great idea and then it ends up being, because it's ultimately about control and tyranny, unions might, you know, uh, they're almost like little microcosms of little Marxist societies to where there's there's no, uh, everybody's paid the same regardless of ambition, regardless of work ethic, regardless of achievement. Uh, most of the money ends up going to the union bosses and the people at the top of the the power structure and then the unions also take money from their union members and give it to whatever political party they want which is typically the democrat party and you know at, at the end you know it's it's really just the people in power like all marxists and socialist societies it's really just the people in power that are going to win final thoughts before well, we have it's to just go. a final line uh, it's, it's just it's a fine line between in unions being good or bad i mean we go back to andrew carnegie where he's you know bringing in the pinkertons and he's beating the living daylights out of his workers because they just want to be paid enough so they can can just eat. Mm-hmm. And today's society where these union bosses are getting paid way too much. Right. And at this point, we've got enough. La- you're you're a, a business attorney. Don't we have enough labor laws on the books to protect every employee? I mean, we really don't have employees that aren't getting breaks. We don't have employees that are that are, you know, being beaten over the head if their production isn't mm-hmm. on, on the same. In fact, we in fact, unions have run out manufacturing out of America. So I think they've long overdue their original, uh, you know, served their purpose. And now they're actually trying to come up with with like going, I, I reported a couple of weeks ago that they're trying to, you know, get models to unionize and go to talent agencies and trying to, you know, which which infringes on my thing because I want to be because to- you're pretty and you're a model and oh, you just, you know, you're just upset. Kalyan, <laughs> <laughs> he's such a sweetheart. Saying I'm pretty, my modeling days are behind me. Kalyan. Speaking of Kalyan, he's going to be back on the show with me tomorrow because guess what I'm doing tomorrow? I'm actually filling in for Craig Sewing tomorrow on the Craig Sewing Show, 6 p.m. Pacific time tomorrow night. Kalyan's going to be back with me. We're going to keep the conversation rolling in terms of of business in San Diego. And if you're a small business in San Diego and you're a startup, Kalyan's your guy. We love small business here in San Diego. And I love you all. Let's keep this conversation rolling. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K Show on Facebook. Thank you, Timothy Shea, for calling in. Matthew Boyle, Kalyan Pokala from pokalalaw.com and I'm going to be hosting Craig's Sewing Show 6 p.m. Pacific time tomorrow night right here on AM 1170 The Answer. Love you all. Have a great night. This program on AM 1170 The Answer is sponsored by Allied Media Group.